good morning. Glad to be with y'all this morning. So a little confession. I don't tend to think of myself as a particularly powerful person. I mean, look at me. I'm five foot two on a good day. I'm young. I'm a girl. It's not the picture of power when you think of that. Um, But I don't know if there would be many of us who would necessarily say on any given day that they think of themselves, that you think of yourself as a particularly powerful person. We tend to think of the people who have power are the CEO of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, the politicians, the people in the 1%. Those are the people with power because those are the people who have more power than us. But we t- so we tend to forget that even though that there are people who have more power, but we ourselves still actually do have power. I don't mean like we have God, the, we are God, but we have capabilities. As human beings, we have the power to influence, to affect change. That is power. I mean, you are here this morning. You have physical mobilities. That is power. You made choices. That is power. You operated heavy machinery this morning because you got to church this morning. That is power. And that I've made this confession that I didn't realize that cars were what they were talking about in all the commercials about don't operate heavy machinery. It's like, I'm not moving a forklift, but oh, okay, don't drive. Got it. I don't know. I don't know why they don't just say that, but if you, if you drove a car today, the spending power that you have, if you were able to afford a car, that's power that you have. And on the day-to-day, I don't think we think about the power that we actually have, all the, the people we're able to influence. But even though we, if we don't think about it, that still means, but we still have it. And because we don't think about it, but we have it, we tend to then use it for whatever we want. We use it to make ourselves more comfortable. I mean, who bought something from Amazon this week to make your life a little easier, a little more comfortable? I bought a study pillow that helps me sit up a little bit better so that I can watch my shows better. We... we use our power to distance ourselves from things that make us uncomfortable. I mean, we, we live out here in the suburbs where it's safe. Um, we do things, use our power to make ourselves happy. And that's, that's just the human condition. That's just what we tend to do. We want to make ourselves safe. We want to be happy. And that's, that's what I love what the Bible is, just that story of over and over again, the human condition in all the different ways that we are as humans, but not just how we are as humans, but how we are as humans who belong to God. How how we interact with God, how God interacts with us as we learn what it is to be human and belong to God. And that's why I love that this sermon series title is a tale as old as time because that's what scripture is all of it is filled with stories that have endured through thousands of years I mean do we think about that thousands of years people have been relating to 
these stories, people who we will never know, people who live across the world, thousands of years of history, this, these stories have meant something. They've been relatable to people throughout time. That's why it's a tale as old as time. And I would love for you to find another church who is preaching from Judges twice, twice in a summer. No other church would dare to do that. Look at us. And if you missed it in June, y'all, there was the message over Jael and Sisera, which is a fun story. Uh, but if you did miss it, uh, Judges is the book of the Bible where it's, it's telling, Isra- it's part of Israel's history. Um, it's, they have arrived in the promised land. They are in the promised land, but they don't have kings or anybody to rule them yet. Um, so understandably, things get a little messy. Basically, it's a story of Israel's corruption, their downfall. It's not a great depiction. It's a good depiction of Israel. It's just not a great things that happen. Um, This book is called Judges because during this time of Israel's history, when they don't have kings yet, God appoints what they call judges, but it's not like a judge as we picture it, who has a gavel and um, sits and dictates court. It's a more of a military leader, uh, somebody who is a governing leader um, over Israel. And their, their job is to call Israel to repentance and to put them in right, help them be in right relationship with God, um, to deliver them specifically from whatever neighboring uh, sort of rulers there were. The Philistines, we know the Philistines, the Moabites, Midianites, those, those guys that pop up, those are usually the people that the judges are called to deliver Israel from. Now, Judges does have a, uh, a pattern to it, the whole book. Um, if you were to read it from beginning to end, I probably watch something funny after because it's not a pretty, it's not a great book to read (laughs) if you want it to be happy. Um, But basically there's a pattern, a cycle that starts with Israel is sinning. It starts with sin. They're worshiping other gods and then they are oppressed by this people group, the Philistines, Midianites, whoever. And they then, because they are oppressed, they repent, they cry out to God, help us, deliver us, forgive us. And so then God moves to raise up a judge who will deliver them from the Midianites, Philistines, whoever. And that judge then leads them into a time of peace. And usually, you know, they have a good few years here and there. Um, But as we know, in times of peace, we become complacent and Israel starts to sin again. And so then the cycle continues and not, it's not even just a cycle, but it's kind of, it's a downward spiral uh, because their sin gets worse and also the judges become less and less righteous. So today we're talking about Samson uh, and Samson, his calling as a judge is unique among the 12 judges that not only is his calling unique because he was called from birth, but he also receives a special title that none of the other judges get. 
So in his story starts in chapter 13 of Judges, and in verse 5, the angel who is proclaiming about his birth to Samson's mother says this, For you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. So Samson is a Nazarite. You caught that word. A Nazarite, you would see in your Bible, would have a footnote that says, one consecrated or one set apart. That's all that it means. But it's a big, lofty thing. He was set apart for God. And there were these special rules that came alongside of being a Nazarite. Because you are set apart, there are some things you're going to have to do to maintain this set-apartness. And one of them was in there. It was the not cutting your hair, that no razor should touch his head. But then also, no drinking wine and no touching anything dead. And that's just to maintain his set-apartness, this holy calling that God has placed on his life. And this, spirit, this power that God has, uh, God's spirit has filled him with is specifically, it says, to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So you would hope that since he's had this calling from birth, this set-apartness, this holy calling, that he would consider this an honor. Oh my gosh, God, you have placed this, you picked me to, to do this? I, I can abide by those three, those three little things and I, I will do my best to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. You have placed this as my clear and true calling. You would hope that, (laughs) but you would be very wrong. (laughs) Samson is the last of the 12 judges, and so that means he is the, shall we say, least righteous of the 12 judges. Samson is like, he's like Gaston, which this is not, this is a on purpose, that Gaston and Samson are not all that too different. If you were able to see the show already, the Gaston is fantastic. He has the big muscles. That's, that's like Samson. Samson's the big, strong guy. He's a big, strong guy. Samson is also a ladies' man, just like Gaston. Very much a ladies' man, Samson is. Don't forget that. And he is I guess you could say Gaston is a little arrogant, wouldn't you say? The whole song about him, how nobody compares to him? Yeah. Um, Samson is pretty arrogant himself. So him being a ladies' man, one of those ladies is Delilah. And here's where Delilah enters in. She enters in in chapter 16. So Samson's already made some choices. Um, And we get to chapter 16 when Delilah enters the story. So according to scripture, Samson falls in love with Delilah. It's chapter 16, verse 4. But then Delilah, after a series of events, Delilah asks Samson, please tell me what makes your strength so great and how you could be bound so that someone could subdue you. That seems a little suspicious. So Samson, you would think, "Mm, 
He's going to catch on. No, Samson answers. He answers three times uh, because she asks him three times. And I, I really would love for you to read all of not only Samson's story, but specifically in chapter 16, Delilah. See what is said and not said about her to see if you think it's fair to call her the temptress or trickster or if maybe the character flaw lies with Samson. Um, I may be biased, but I think it lies with Samson. In verse 15, she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me three times now and have not told me what makes your strength so great. Finally, after she had nagged him with her words, day after day and pestered him, he was tired to death. That's where scripture is relatable, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the scripture. You can, I'll remember that one. Tired to death. From the nagging and the pestering, we have all been there. Uh, The New American Standard Bible says his soul was impatient to the point of death. And, you know, I just, I feel that. (laughs) I feel that on a lot. Um, But in in verse 17, so he told her his whole secret and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, then my strength would leave me. I would become weak and be like anyone else. So each time that Delilah had had said to Samson, please tell me what makes you weak. How could somebody make you weak? Samson answers, And then Delilah proceeds to do exactly what Samson told her. Three times. Three times. So you would hope that at this point, Samson would be thinking, okay, I know she pestered me to death. Um, I told her my secret. So I should probably, since she's done everything that I told her would take away my strength, I should probably leave now before she does that. Again, you would hope, (laughs) and you would be wrong. (laughs) When Delilah realized that he had told her his whole secret, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, This time come up, for he has told his whole secret to me. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She let him fall asleep on her lap, And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. He began to weaken, and his strength left him. Then she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. When he awoke from his sleep, he thought, I'll go out just as the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again 
after it had been shaved. So, Samson, one of two things must have been true for him, or maybe both, that one, either he didn't connect the very close dots that whatever I tell Delilah, she is going to do that. Either he didn't connect those dots, or he became, he was so arrogant that he thought, even without the strength of God, I'll be able to get away. Or God's not really going to take away the strength from me. Samson had forgotten what the source of his power was. Samson had forgotten who had been the strength, his strength the whole time. Samson had, it wasn't that he was doing what was righteous and delivering Israel from the Philistines like he, like he was supposed to. He was off doing his own thing and they caught him. Samson knew he wasn't doing what was right. He was a Nazarite for God. He was set aside for God. It's not like he didn't know that he was a Nazarite or had forgotten. He had literally just told Delilah, I'm a Nazarite for God. God had given him this power. He knew that God had given him this power to deliver Israel from the Philistines since birth, but Samson hadn't used his power to do that. He actually seemed to use his power whatever he wanted. He was pretty casual about his power, actually, kind of teasing it with Delilah. And if you read all of his story in Judges 13 through 16, you will see all the flippant ways that he uses his power. He manipulates his parents into letting him marry a Philistine who, oh, you're supposed to deliver them from the Philistines? No, you should marry one instead. He attacks and kills a lion with his bare hands. And, oh, you're not supposed to touch dead things? Well, Samson does. This whole time, his power, he wasn't using it for what he was supposed to. God gives us power for God's purposes, not ours. But often we forget that we have it. We forget the, wor- we forget the words that seem They seem like they should come from the Bible. I know people have thought they've come from the Bible, but they actually, they come from (laughs) Spider-Man. And some of you know where I'm going with this. With great power comes great responsibility. It's Spider-Man, but it's true. God has empowered. It's not only that we are, have power because we are human and we have the free will, we have choices, but God actually empowers us with the Holy Spirit, which is God. That, that is the power that we have. That is the power that we have. This is the power, Jesus says, to do things that will be greater than what Jesus did. That's the power 
that we have. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, after he is resurrected and he is about to ascend into heaven, he tells the crowd one last thing. He says, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. The power God has given us is to be God's witnesses, to be witnesses to Jesus' resurrection power, to be witnesses to Jesus' healing, to be witnesses to the good news that Jesus has come to free the oppressed, to give strength to the weak, and to overcome injustice in all its forms. That is what we are empowered to do. That's the power that God fills us with. And I'm, I'm not sure about you, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think I have been using my power responsibly. Instead, I tend to use that power to make sure that everybody likes me. I tend to use that power to make safe choices instead of bold ones, the ones that God calls me to make. And I know I'm not going out of my way to make sure that poor and oppressed people in my community know that it matters to Jesus that their freedom is experienced in this life. I know I'm not doing everything in my power to make sure they experience that freedom. I'm not using my power very responsibly. And maybe... Maybe you're thinking of some of the ways you can use, you've used your power not for the purposes of God. That maybe you, you've made sure that your kids' school and education is the best that it can be, but not thinking about the kids across the interstate. What about their school? Or you've been able to create economic stability for you and your family and for their generations after, but what about the communities where there's no economic stability whatsoever? How, how can we help to make sure they experience that too? Making safe choices or bold choices to make sure that people know the healing of Jesus Christ, the freedom that, of Jesus Christ, that we, are all, that we are all deserving to experience in this life. As you think about that, I don't, I don't want you to forget the last line of that scripture. Verse 22 says, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. His hair began to grow again. That's a sign that God isn't done with Samson yet. God had made this promise with Samson 
had set Samson apart from birth to death for God's purposes, and God wasn't done. God hadn't given up on him. This was God's promise. God is the God of second, third, and thousandth chances. And Samson eventually gets to the point of realizing his responsibility with the power that he has, but it took him losing his eyesight and to basically become enslaved before he took that on. Our God is the God of second chances. We don't have to get to the point that Samson did. We don't have to get to something, experiencing a loss like that before we can accept the responsibility, before we can get back on track with the responsibility of the power that God gave us. I don't know what it is that God's purpose of power for you is specifically, because for all of us, it's to be witnesses to the power of Jesus Christ, to the freedom of Jesus Christ. But I I don't know what specifically God has placed power on you for. But there is something that your power is meant for. And you have the opportunity to use it for God's purposes. Will you pray with me? Loving God, it is hard for us to understand that you have given us power. You have given us your spirit. You have given us freedom to choose. God, let us not be overwhelmed by this power, but instead encouraged with purpose. You gave us this power on purpose. Let us lead and give this power out of love and not out of fear. Help us to be responsible to the calling that you've placed upon us. Help us to lean on one another and help us to point each other to each other's purposes for building your kingdom and making earth look more like heaven. God, we lift this all up in your loving name. Amen.